0: I'd like to welcome everybody back to another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast and I am really grateful to have Jen Casatad with me today as we're going to be talking a little bit on the topic of digital citizenship. This is something that I think is just a a really important conversation for us to be having at any time and and I think particularly at, at this time I know even across Nebraska as we're talking about high quality instructional materials and really I mean we're living in a virtual world right now and so being able to navigate that world safely and effectively is really important. So all that being said, Jim, welcome. I'm so glad to see you, friend. It's great to have you on the pod.
1: Well, it's so nice to see you, Andrew. I miss you. I miss the in-person you that we get when we get to hang out at conferences. So
0: I know it's been too long. It's been too long. So for people who don't know you, will you kind of give a little bit of your backstory in education?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Cassatod. I'm currently in the role of teacher librarian in Ontario, Canada. Uh, formerly a literacy consultant at the district level. And before that, I was an English teacher, religion teacher, special education teacher, co-op teacher, all at the high school level. (laughs) Um, So lots and lots of years in education. In 2017, I became an author. I published the book Social Media, Moving Students from Digital Citizenship to Digital Leadership, a book that, oh my goodness, is probably more relevant today in 2021 than it was back then. Um, And I am also uh, the co-author of a children's book just released a couple of months ago called Aubrey Bright in stories that connect us. And that story is an intergenerational tale of using technology to connect. Um, Aubrey connects with her grandmother and friends and it's just So such a beautiful tale, if I do say so myself. And that was illustrated by one of my former students. So that was really exciting. And I have a new book coming out, which is more geared towards parents. And it's called Raising Digital Leaders. And it really takes some of the ideas from social media and really closes that loop so that parents can be supportive of students' technology and social media use at home. So that's where I'm at now.
0: (laughs) Gosh, you know, and as a parent myself, I'm going to have to be checking out that, uh, that latest book because uh, I do love that my kiddos are in that space. Um, but there's also, yeah, just a lot to that. And so, uh, under the topic of di- digital citizenship, and so, you know, we'll kind of just start there. And uh, statewide, we're actually putting on a competition right now for students, really of any age, to submit a PSA or a poster uh, on digital citizenship. We have some resources available. You can check that out in the show notes, and, and we're promoting that through all of our social media stuffs. <laughs> and so, I uh, wanted to have a conversation on that topic here to just add to the resources. And so, Yeah, Jennifer, what would you say, uh, kind of get this set the stage for us, I guess, for somebody who maybe isn't familiar with digital citizenship and all that that entails, uh, along with this digital leadership piece. Yeah, help educate us, I guess, on, on how you see this topic.
1: Absolutely. So I think for first and foremost, we think of digital citizenship as using technology ethically and responsibly. And that certainly has been the definition that has been a working definition for a long, long time, starting with common sense media and other really reputable sites. In recent years, after I I published social media, the Connotation around digital citizenship has has changed, right? So we are we're looking at it through a more positive light. I know ISTE uh, created their new digital citizenship criteria: engaged, alert, inclusive. Um, so really trying to reframe digital citizenship because it became such a, I don't know, such a negative word. And truly, you know, one of the students for my book said adults are always telling us what not to do. And they never tell us what we can and should do. And mm. that to me, like that just got me right. And right. and it was so true. I looked around and I thought, like, even though we're like, we're trying to change what digital citizenship sounds like and looks like, we still continue to revert back to anti cyber bullying. And, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this cautionary tales, you know, and I think those are important. I mean, I, I think digital citizenship is a really important starting point um, with kids, but if it's the end point, then we're doing our kids a disservice because we, we live in a world, you know, whether we like it or not, where 95% of employers look at your online presence, where resumes are now moving online, where there are some classes you know, that kids can, can engage in where they're learning about how to create a really powerful online presence. Then we have other kids who don't. And I think for me, it becomes a question of equity then. If I have parents that aren't tech savvy at home, And I'm only getting the don't do this, don't do this, don't do this at school, then where is it that I'm learning to use technology and social media for my future and to leverage it in positive and powerful ways? So that's really where my focus on digital leadership comes in. The, The first time I heard the term was George Kuros back in 2013. And that's kind of the uh, the definition I used in social media. So it, he defines digital leadership as using the vast reach of technology, especially social media, to improve the lives, well-being circumstances of others. And and when I heard that, that was really cool because i had never really thought of that before. It gave me a different lens with which to view some of the ways in which kids were interacting online. Like it really did. It opened my mind. It's Wayne Dwyer says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And then I was doing my master's in curriculum and technology, and I just finished in October, and I was doing courses, never thinking I would ever want to do a thesis. But then I I became so so enthralled with a group that I had co-founded. It's called the Global Educational Student Chat. And it's a group of students that we mentor, and they create topics And then once a month, they get together and they ask questions and respond to the questions online and this mentorship opportunity became so powerful. One of the things I started to recognize is that the students actual media habits changed as a result of our mentorship and so my math. Master's project was a deep dive into what these students were doing online, what they started with, and then what they ended with, right? There was young, one young man who had no concept of audience, was you know posting online as if he was talking to his friends and no one could see it. And then by the time we had mentored him through the Global Ed Student Chat, he changed, He very cognizant of audience, very cognizant then of the fact that other kids, especially through Global Ed Student Chat, were reading his posts. There was one grade three who said, you know, I I really like how you use your social media account. And even after poring over thousands of tweets and video for my project, um, this student continues to really lead in online spaces. So after my master's, I kind of, I kind of, you know, literature review and everything. um, I recognize that student digital leaders, they use technology to model digital citizenship. So it's there, right? Like they are Mm -hmm. alert, they are using it ethically and responsibly, but they're also developing a, a positive digital identity. They're using their voices to network, to create community and to inspire change. And so that's the lens with which I now view the work that I'm doing right now. And that's the lens with which I go in and, and co-teach in careers classes, for example, um, when I'm working with young people.
0: That's so beautiful. I just love hearing uh, your vision for that and what's been... Now I'm curious, as you work with a group of students, let's let's say if you have uh, a short window of time to lead them in that thinking, what are some of the like cornerstones of your message? Maybe it's a practice or uh, something that, that starts to shift the way in which they view their online presence.
1: For sure. So actually, um, because it's so hard, <laughs> um, I developed kind of a lead framework. I can share it with you. So it's L-E-A-D because acronyms work with my brain and they're easy for kids to wrap their minds around as well. And so the L is learn and share learning. So all I do, I'm able to condense this into like one 90-minute class. (laughs) If I have more time, obviously, I'm going to take more time developing an entire playbook around this because there is so much more. You could spend a whole year on this. but um, So learn and share learning. Many, many, not all, but many students uh, look at social media and technology as a form of entertainment. So digital leaders, however, student digital leaders see the value of technology and social media to learn and share learning, so beyond entertainment. So we look at what was the last thing you learned online, right? Like who do you follow that teaches you something? Um, The E is empathy and perspective. So we do lots around uh, tone, lots around commenting online, lots around cognitive bias. So, you know, even just recognizing that when I look at a media message, I'm, I'm evaluating it based on my own experiences. So for empathy and perspective, it's really about showing kids that they need to consider their tone, their language and multiple points of view. And that the world will be a better place when we do that. Right. Um, so examples, examples of that. For A, it's aware, like you you still need to be aware of, you know, your digital footprint, uh, falling for fake. That's huge, right? Like the the fake news piece. Um, Giving credit where credit is due, you know, like like reposting memes or you're putting something online that's your artwork. Well, have you created a watermark for it? Have you looked at the Creative Commons licenses? Like all of those conversations that really should come up in the context of classes, I would say all of this would be way better off if it was in the context of, you know, a year. And so that's why I really hope that the lead framework sort of sticks. Cause like, if I'm a teacher and and we're doing an artwork or we're doing a digital story, then I can bring in that, that copyright piece Mm -hmm. in alert. And finally D is digital role models. I always show kids inspiring other kids because they don't often get to see that. And there are like, Again, when you look, you'll see like Chloe Cares, Chloe Thompson, who is, uh, you know, leveraging her accounts. She started off creating these tote bags for the homeless, and is always involved in a project. Uh, Braden Mannery Quinn, who has uh, braised 3D bags, and he too, um, you know, just uses social media in such a positive way. So the more we can show kids other kids who shine online, the more they have something that interrupts their regular narrative, I think.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned there that integrating this across disciplines, really at any grade level too, for that matter, uh, what would be some entry points that a teacher might look for uh, to start having this conversation? So yes, artwork, but what are some other places in which this would be relevant to uh, social studies, to English, to a math class?
1: So for me, I guess one of the bigger ones is the empathy and perspective piece. I, actually, I have a million ideas. So <laughs> Sure. Let me, where do I start? So with, That's why
0: I'm asking. So that's good. That's why we got you here.
1: Learn and share learning, right? Um, I, you know, my math teachers are like, this has nothing to do with me. But there is an account called Math in the News. Uh, it's a Twitter account that you can follow. They take current events and make it into a math problem. And so I introduced oh. that to my teacher, um, I work in a high school, and I said, Hey, take a look at this. And she's like, Oh, my gosh, you know, so then you could say, look at what I found on Twitter, like you explicitly, I think it's important to be explicit about, I saw this on Instagram, or I saw this really cool thing on Twitter. Or have you guys seen anything really cool math related on Whatever you're on, so Snapchat or giving students and listening to students and finding out where they are learning about math, right? Because sometimes we're not in tune to that. So, so I would say any teacher can do that because social media is vast. There's you know a history account, uh, World War One tweets where they somebody has decided they're going to tweet from the perspective for every day. For world war one and there's a world war two and then that brings in such a really cool opportunity because you can start to ask questions like who's putting out this content how accurate is it from what perspective is this being written like is this does it seem like it's american does it seem british so you can ask all those other <laughs> questions when you suddenly have a real authentic artifact obviously you would preview it It's social yes. media For empathy and perspective, the the very simplest thing I would say is, and you could use this no matter where you are. You watch a YouTube video and you say, that was really great. I really appreciated that. Let's jump on and thank the creator.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, because we were so worried about the negative comments on YouTube, but do we ever model positive comments? We loved this book. Let's jump on Goodreads and, you know, give it a positive review. Given peer feedback, I mean, one of the things that uh, we just did, I, I've been working with a science teacher in my role as teacher librarian, and we connected with another class in Vancouver, and they have blogs. And so their students responded to each other, using criteria, and I always do uh, three. So what did you like? What do you build upon? And what might you respectfully disagree with? Mm-hmm. Um, and so giving my students the opportunity to read their blogs and respond in that way. And I've scaffolded it, right? Like this, when you agree with something, this is what it looks like. When you disagree with something, this is what it looks like. These are your sentence starters. Giving kids opportunities to do that. And could be it doesn't have to be on a blog. It could be on a Flipgrid. So we have that class and another class from Malaysia, they're going to respond to my own students starting tomorrow, orally in Flipgrid. The Global Ed Student Chat is a wonderful opportunity to to engage in dialogue along the topic that the kids have brought out. So January is motivation and goal setting. We had kids share their strategies for goal setting. It's so much more powerful when kids see what other kids are doing than, you know, here I am middle-aged teacher talking to them about what they should or shouldn't do, right? Um, And our February 9th topic is cultural. What does it mean to be culturally responsive? And I can't wait for that conversation because we have such a diverse group of students. So it's, it's bringing in those perspectives. It's giving students opportunities to respond online to each other when they agree with each other or disagree with each other as well as, as I said, the, the copyright piece for sure. And being okay to get, like, if you have a class account and saying, Ooh, let's check the tone of that. Or, you know, or sometimes I do this, uh, you know, with our book club, I'm like, let's create a, a post. And then I press send and I go, guys, I don't think I like that. Can we let's, let's delete it. Right. Just to, to model the fact that you can delete. you know, you need to to look back again at things and and see if they're powerful or if they might be misconstrued. Those little moments that I embrace, because the literature tells us situated cognition by John Seeley Brown, um, some of the research I did tells us that, learning that is embedded in context, it's not just useful, but it's essential for that learning to be able to transfer. And so wherever we can bring in these opportunities naturally, authentically, and sometimes just intentionally, like in a contrived way, it's just super important, I think.
0: Gosh, I just love all of that, because I think it is so important. And it's just—it's uh, critical work, because You know, I look at our country and and I think one of the things politically, and I don't like to get into this space very often, but one of the things politically we can all agree on is that there's divisiveness and there's a need for us to have more openness in our dialogue and be sensitive, I think, to the comments and ideas, like you said, to respectfully disagree at times, but to find ways to Uh, work together towards shared understanding. And I think that it's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to step into those spaces intentionally and try to lead and teach the generations that are following uh, how to do that with this internet technology thing that I, I, I don't fault our generation, you know, because it was so new and it was really tough to know how to it's very difficult, widespread for us to see these issues and to do something about them as they were occurring. But now, uh, you know, I, I love to see the us moving in this space uh, to try to be that change that we'd like to see play out societally. So, um, do you feel that? I guess in in the in the work that you're doing,
1: absolutely. I feel like it's more necessary than it ever has been before. I mean, certainly, I've been advocating for these ideas for many, many years. But mm-hmm. as I said, they, they've they become more and more prevalent. I think just even dealing with my own daughters, right, who come home and have, you know, they're so impacted by some of the things that they see online, sometimes not very credi- credible things. So, we're constantly trying to counteract that. But really, when I look at my role as an an educator, you know, what is it? (laughs) What, what's, what's my, I have a million things I never imagined when I started teaching that I would be in this realm. Um, You know, I have curriculum to cover. I have privacy laws. I have all these things that are happening. I'm exhausted. Most nights, I want to go to bed at seven o'clock, but I think what, what we need to sort of keep in mind is that we need to help our kids navigate the world into which they will graduate, not the world into which we've graduated. And so Mm -hmm. that world, like it or not, has social media in it, has technology in it. And so even if we could find just small ways, like think of K-12, right? I I share a powerful story of some of the, the ways in which, you know, I have worked with kids to show them how they can make a positive difference in the lives of others. My student council just this week has created the most beautiful, they they went school-wide and asked for cards um, to thank front frontline workers. Right now in Ontario, everything is shut down. And they have created the most beautiful messages. They contacted hospitals. They're using so right, they're using social media to communicate with one another.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: what if just one, one time a year, K to 12? kids are shown how to use social media in a positive way to change the life of somebody else or to make a positive impact in the life of somebody else that's just one time k to 12 well that's 12 times you know so sometimes we feel this huge responsibility but if everybody just did it once like one unit or an ongoing thing one year that really made an impact. and, And we all kind of shared in the responsibility. I don't think it's beyond the realm of responsibility that we can see this, especially since if you listen to kids and ask them what they're doing, I think sometimes we also make assumptions about what they're doing online. These kids are more empathetic than certainly I was when I was a kid they're more interested in changing the world, they are so committed to climate change, you know, we're just seeing that in, in, in the science class I'm co-teaching, sometimes it's about listening to them, taking their lead, and knowing that we're going to be okay, we just sort of all have to work towards it together.
0: Yeah, it was so fun. I would say probably after about five years into teaching, I started to think differently about social media in the way that you're talking about, right? And how how can we try to model some things and everything that I've learned from Twitter chats, for example, I would tell my students, right? like. I'm really nerdy. <laughs> and in the evening, sometimes I get a Twitter chat. This is an idea I got from there. Uh, or inviting authors in. Uh, we had an author speak to 150 students that were all reading through her book. And we we're writing on author's purpose. And they got to come to the front and like ask her questions about her purpose. And so how authentic is that is a direct quote, right? <laughs> like, so cool. From when you like interviewed the author to, uh, you know, I was looking for some pieces of journalism from minority voices, it was a unit that we were putting together. And I wanted something current, I actually reached out to J.A. Adonde, who has been on Around the Horn for sports journalism. He, he's someone that is pretty well known in those circles. And he was terrific. And he recommended these different like resources for us that that some of my um, kiddos were interested in reading, because they did have a little bit more of a sports tie. Uh, and all that's been because of social media. And, and I, so I'm glad you said this. I guess because I feel a little better that we have made those made it a point in class to say, uh, yeah, that, like this is a thing you can use Twitter for, and this is a thing that you can use uh, these different outlets is to connect with people who can help you, as you're saying, learn and and help others. And I really liked that that was part of your message as well.
1: That's. I mean, the world. There's so much of the world is online, and sometimes all you have to do is ask, and you have. Mm-hmm. Really, like what you just said, we had, uh, we've had we had some incredible um, speakers come in to talk virtually to our classes. And it was a teacher reaching out on Twitter. And so many people in the business world really love the opportunity to to be able to come in and talk to kids, right? They feel like you know, this is a unique and great opportunity. So sometimes you just have to ask. And again, for students to be able to see not just the negatives, but the power of connection and meaningful connections, I think it's important. And I think we, we aren't doing enough of that.
0: Yeah. I, I like what you said there with regards to these outside, it's awesome to see how these outside, some, in some cases, celebrities even cherish the opportunity to do something that we as educators have as our daily opportunity (laughs) to impact others, Uh, and I I love thinking about that, the potential and just the purpose, right? You know, it's been a tough year, and so just as you brought that up, my thoughts was like, that is so true. Other people relish the chance to be in the spaces that we're in every day, Uh, and I just think that that's really powerful to consider, too, so...
1: Well, and think about all of the authors and painters and you know everyone who really came out of the woodwork through COVID-19 to offer free lessons. So you could see a virtual zoo keeper, you know, you could go to a shark conservatory, you could watch Mo Williams teach you how to to paint. Like it it really has, I mean as awful as this pandemic has been, it really has, I think for so many people who haven't had that lens before, they now look at it as wow, there are more learning opportunities here than I ever thought possible before. And so, how do we? Because I'm not saying we we don't uh, caution our kids. About about connecting with strangers online. But I do think that we we really need to uh, reinforce that there are, just like in real life, there are really great people with whom to connect, and then there are not so great people. And we need to use our th- critical thinking skills in order to be able to discern the difference, because that's a skill kids are gonna need forever.
0: Uh, And only increasingly as the amount of resources and different voices are out there as you're talking with uh, with fake news and things. You know, Jen, I, I literally say these words every time we do a podcast, but 30 minutes goes so fast. It is crazy to me how quickly the time passes with things. But uh, uh, that said, it's been great having a chance to catch up with you today. Uh, and I typically like to leave a little space here at the end for our guests to share just kind of a parting message or uh, in some cases, it's, it's even something that's just at the forefront of your your thoughts and maybe on your heart at, at a given moment. I know that that happens for me as well sometimes, that there's just something that's kind of been lightly tapping me on the shoulder uh, in my day-to-day over the last couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, if you had to leave a little bit of a parting message, what what might you say?
1: Well, I'm going to say that, um, that although sometimes these ideas feel really onerous, maybe even fearful, that we just think about opportunities within the next week or month or even year to show kids how they can use technology and social media to make a positive difference and if we're not ready to do that with students or we don't have direct contact with students on a regular basis that we also sort of take a step back and reflect on our own use of technology and social media and see whether or not we're using it to learn and share learning whether our voices are are empathetic whether we've interrupted our own narrative with the perspective of others whether we could be considered digital role models because i think that it's really important um, that kids also learn from us
0: so great Jen, this is why I invited you on, because you're awesome. I really appreciate your message. Uh, And as I said, as we ramp up, because it's certainly always been something we've advocated for, digital citizenship. But as we uh, kind of ramp up those efforts and get to this contest and work towards the Future Ready Conference this summer, uh, where we're going to have some speakers in as a part of that conversation uh, on this topic, Uh, It is just really great to learn from you today uh, about this. And and I just really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrew.